Hey, this is Ashlyn, former co-host of the Top 10 Recovery Podcast, The Betrayed, the Addicted, and the Expert. I have had my challenges, but I am also living proof that joy is possible, even when life does not go as planned. Every day I get to help women rise and find their own healing despite their circumstances. I'm excited to share with you real examples of living a life full of adventure, true healing, and freedom, no matter how messy life gets each episode, I will introduce you to someone I love and respect to talk about ways to be the buffalo and to face your storms in different areas of life. If you're looking for just betrayal topics, catch me on my former podcast where there are four years of golden content, all for free at your fingertips. All right, let's do this. A subject that I'm excited to talk about because it's not one that I know really anything about. So you get to be the expert today and share what it's like to have physical or mental restrictions. Maybe your mental or physical health is in a position where your sexual intimacy is being impacted. And so we're talking about sex and we're talking about it in a different way than I've brought up before. And so I have Ashley here with us and she's got one, an incredible story that you're going to love anyway. And then we're, she's going to add on this piece that is really intimate and, and beautiful. So I'm very grateful for you to be here. Let me tell you who Ashley is. I have Ashley D. Lello. There we go. It's like yellow. (laughs) Uh Anyway, she's the founder and creator of bio-emotional healing, a revolutionary method based in neuroscience that helps her clients around the world finally break free from emotional trauma, limiting beliefs, anxiety, chronic and chronic pain to thrive in their lives. Despite being told by doctors that she wouldn't live past her teenage years, she refused to give up and discovered the secret to rewiring the mind-body connection. She became an elite athlete, performed on TV and Broadway. She's an entrepreneur, a mind coach, and a motivational speaker. So one thing that I was telling Ashley right before we started is um, she leaves out some of like these big things (laughs) in her bio uh, because she she's using both sides of her brain, which not all of us can do. She's using her creative side and her intellectual side to do what you do. And so can you just share a little bit of your story with, with the ooh and ah? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and even it's just a a transition in my life, right. Which is more, we all have, it's not there. Absolutely. I mean, and and dance was a, a huge and vital and was actually helped save my life. Um, cause I loved it so much. So my story started, gosh, I've had two life altering health experiences, which, uh, one as a teenager, and then again, as an adult. So it's a 25 year journey that again, brought me to my work, but we'll, we'll just succinct it. And we'll put the ooh and ahs in there. So, um, I started dancing like as soon as I could walk it, I knew it was what I felt born to do. And I started dancing five hours a day when I was seven. And, um, Energizer Bunny was my nickname. So I was the epitome of health, loved life. And then 13 years old, everything changed. And I went from dancing five hours a day to now fighting for my life. And that was literally four years fighting between life and death. I got so sick. I could barely lift a finger. My hair was falling out. My liver was shutting down. So I was yellow. I got down to about 90 pounds. I looked so frail. And the hardest part about it was I was a mystery. So I went all over the country. I was tested for about anything that could exist. And I remember even going into tests and 
praying for a positive outcome. Mm -hmm. Like this is you, this is what you have some answer. Right. And I think everybody's been there, right. You, then you can have a plan. Mm -hmm. Then you know what you're doing. It's that place of uncertainty all the time. That's the hardest because my body was dying. It was like, well, what do we do? You know, what do we do? And I I remember probably one of the most defining moments of my life. I was up at a, a very prestigious children's hospital and the doctor, I'll never forget it. Cause it was one of those really sterile rooms, you know, where there's like no pictures, it's just white and cold. And that was back in the day where you wore those gowns that like ripped if you moved at all. Do you remember <laughs> yeah. those? Like I, they're so much better now, but I, I swear then. And, and I just remember that cause I was trying to like not move. I was so cold and the doctor brought one of those stools up, wheeled it in front of me and I'm 13 years old. And he says, you need to accept you're not going to live past your teenage years. Never going to dance again, never get married, never have children. And the sooner you accept this, mm. the easier it's going to be to come to reality. And I, I mean, I can't put words on what that moment. And I'm think every, you know, we all have different moments like that in our life where every spectrum of emotion that exists comes at once, you know, and disbelief of how is this my life? Mm-hmm. Like, how did this happen to my life? And 13, you're telling me my life's over. I just need to accept it. This is it. My body's dying. And I remember just taking in that moment, but also just deciding. And I looked up at the doctor and I said, I don't accept this. And we had no idea what I had. <laughs> and I, I credit my mom for giving me space to respond. Cause she's such a fighter. And I know she, was feeling all the feels with the doctor telling her child this, but she let me be the first one to respond, which I just credit her because that was such a huge moment of decision for me. Mm. And a long journey came from that. Um, like I said, it was, it was four and a half years. We couldn't find answers. Everybody always wants to know what I had and I get that. And the, the pieces, I don't know. I had a rare viral infection. No one could diagnose. No one could treat. This was 26 years ago. Um, and, and that I think is also part of the story is we can still change heal in uncertainty, Mm. right? Because it just became then a matter of, okay, let's do everything possible to support my body. And back then that was way more voodoo. Mm -hmm. We did not have functional medicine alternative. It was like, you're going to some lady with dreadlocks with incense. You know what I'm saying? Like literally just having space on the internet or social media to say, Hey, am I alone in this? Oh yeah. There was nothing. Or what's working for you. There wasn't that thing. Yes. No podcasts, no <laughs> yeah. YouTube, yeah. no social media. Right. So we're having to just search, ask people, right. You've got like the yellow pages and, but two and a half years, Western medicine sent me home. So it was, it was a long journey, um, between life and death for four years. And that's when I really understood the power of the mind, um, intricately, because it helped me live. I I remember nights not wanting to go to bed at not literally wanting to go to sleep because I felt like my body was so sick that if I surrendered that conscious will Mm -hmm. to live, I wouldn't wake up. And that, as you can imagine, had a profound impact on my nervous system in a way I had no idea was happening until later in life. Right. But nonetheless, um, the brain is powerful. Emotions are powerful. I defied the odds. I lived, I went back to dance after a six year absence, oh, wow. which is a long time. I would, I left at, I struggled through dance through the first year of my illness. And so left at around 14, 
and I came back and I'm almost 20 years old. I left as a girl. Now I'm a woman. And that's a whole story in of itself. Just walking back in the studio and dancing again, when my peers had all been dancing and I was a ballroom dancer, which is a competitive sport. And, but I had this love and that's where I said it helped save my life because I, I not only wanted to live, I wanted to dance again. And although it felt like the worst type of pain to lose something you love so much, it also was such a driving mm. force for me. You know, I was like, cause some doctors said, maybe you'll live, but you'll be sick. And it was just, no, I'm going to dance again. I'm, I'm absolutely going to dance again. So I'm so grateful to have had that passion to drive me in such a huge way. And it, I mean, it was miraculous. So that's, here's the ooze and ahs, right? <laughs> uh, um, I uh, was competitive and that's what I did all through college. And then um, I met my husband. We competed against each other, actually. Ah. Yeah. I didn't want to actually merge that. Because if you've ever watched Dancing with the Stars or Latin ballroom dancing, there's it's a very intimate relationship, right? You're the way that you're interacting. The dances are very sensual. And sometimes in the ballroom world, people end up together just because you're with your partner all the time. And think of that, that type of connection you're creating. Yeah. Right. So we, we felt something bigger than dance. And so we didn't want to combine <laughs> it. Um, but it did add some spice to the relationship, right? Cause we were competing against each other. Yeah. Um, the whole time we dated, which was almost two years. So, um, anyhow, then we ended up, we didn't even plan on dancing, which is crazy. we had both grown up. Um, but I was getting my degree. He was getting his degree in something else. And we're like, oh, this will be great. We'll be able to dance on cruises or something. It's so funny because then life took us to a whole different route. And uh, after we graduated college, we went and performed all over the country in a show um, for two years. And then we came home and we saw an ad for So You Think You Can Dance on the television. And we're like, maybe let's just go audition, you know? And that was the height of this that show mm -hmm. when like, I think our season... I think 10, like million people auditioned. It was insane. Mm. Um, and you know, there's 10 girl spots and 10 boy spots. Um, so, oh no, 10 million watch about 10,000, 10 to 15,000 people auditioned our year. Yeah. I knew that was wrong in my <laughs> head. It's like, wow, that's a lot of it's dancers. Still incredible. But nonetheless, um, it was amazing. We were the first married couple to make the show separately because you have to, we, mm. we auditioned initially together, but the rest of the process is separate. Um, and we got to go through the whole season with different partners, but sharing all the highs and lows, like double the excitement, double mm -hmm. the stress, right? If one of us would be sent home, but just such an incredible thing to share together. Yeah. And we both went to the finale. Someone else won, but just to stay the whole season, because we were like, we're going to split all our votes, right? Between our family wow. and friends, you know, what's we're actually hurting ourselves by both being here, but um it was, a, it was just an incredible experience for us. And then we headlined a Broadway show called Burn the Floor and uh, did that in West End in London also. And like top of the mountain, right? I'd been through so much and defying the odds. And now I'm dancing 12 to 15 hours a day, doing eight shows a week on Broadway. And so it was just like, this is miraculous. And so your health was good at that time. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, I had injuries like all Dancer, athletes yes. and dancers do. I had a lot of injuries, um, which was really frustrating. And, but that's part of what goes with mm -hmm. using your body that way. But I was healthy. I was strong and literally, yeah, top of the mountain. Then we, I got pregnant and we had our 
baby girl, which well, now she's eight. And that was miraculous too, because they had told me I'd never have kids. And so it was just like, wow, you know, life has come so far. And then I just got pushed off the mountain again, but now unbelievably more challenging because I'm not a teenager. I'm a mom. Mm. I'm a wife responsibilities, responsibilities. Um, we have our professional career, which now I lost because I lost the physical capacity to dance, which then also impacts my husband, our income, our livelihood. And I, I had a second hip surgery. So I'd already had one and came back successfully to our career. So you expect the other one to go the other way, the right way, right? Okay. Did the right. It's not fun. Had to learn how to walk again, do that whole thing. Okay. We'll do it with the left, you know? And it, and it went completely the opposite and it failed and it launched my whole body into chronic pain. And I was now struggling to walk. I was struggling to even hold a book. I couldn't lift up my own child. And now it was round two, but at a whole new level, I'm living in unrelenting nerve pain, barely sleeping. They told me as a chronic pain patient, now this would be my life. I'm diagnosed with a whole bunch of stuff um, that has a lifelong you know, condition, no cure. Best you can do is manage. Doctors are even telling me it's only downhill from here. Like literally I can't make this stuff up. Right. I, one even told me you're not getting any younger. You know, I was 34, 34. And I'm like, yeah, my six-year-old's not getting any younger. Like this is, you know, ridiculous, but what we're going to, you know, dive into here. And it was, it was a long journey. And they told me my nervous system flipped a switch into pain. And after two and a half years of literally trying everything and over 200 injections of all kinds, functional medicine, Eastern, Western, holistic. I mean, I threw everything at it, right? Because I'd been here, Mm -hmm. but now we have even way more resources. And after trying all of that with no success, I mean, it was, it was literally one of the darkest nights of my life. I looked at my husband and I was like, I don't, there's nothing left. Like there's nothing left to try. And that's when my absolute desperation met my greatest determination. And I thought, well, then I'm going to figure it out. And if my nervous system flipped a switch into pain, I'm going to figure out how to flip it back. And that's what made me dive into the brain and neuroscience and pain science and the nervous system and the mind body connection. And I created a process based in neuroscience to rewire pain or, or anxiety or whatever it is, because it's all, all rooted in the brain and nervous system. And that's what gave me my life back and my health back. And that's what I've been doing with clients last four years. So. Mm, it's powerful. That is for sure. Um, so before we dive into yeah. the sexual intimacy part, tell me how you work with clients, just because mm-hmm. I'm sure after hearing all that, people are like, I need her <laughs> immediately. Yeah. Um, so I have, like I said, a process it's called bioemotional healing, and it's a nine week process to really partner with the brain and nervous system and first get it to a place, um, of feeling safe to let go of whatever program it's stuck in. You know, you have, you hear a lot about rewiring, but truthfully, if you, most people, most of our symptoms, it's not that there's aren't things wrong, but whether it's anxiety or depression or food issues or any other issues or like health issues. A lot of it is because of a overly sensitized nervous system that's now become stuck in survival mode, fight or flight. And when it stays there long enough, it becomes that default programming. And that's why like people will have anxiety. And then now they're having panic attacks. Mm -hmm. Now they can't get out of bed. They might have some depression, but now they've shut down. Right. And so, or if it's pain or it's a chronic illness. And so by emotional healing, 
go step-by-step to partner with your system to get it to a place to feel safe, to even turn off those alarm bells. And then now we can rewire what we do want, how we do want to live, how we do want to feel. And so my clients go through the process and they have to, they have to do it themselves, right? It has to take a client who's like ready to Mm -hmm. do that type of work because the solution has to be from the inside out. And then of course I, I coach them through that. So they can go to my website, my name, which I'm sure you'll link because it's not easy. Yeah, I'll put all of it in <laughs> AshleyBelello.com and you can read more about bioemotional healing and schedule a consult because it is an in-depth work. So I always do a consult prior just to make sure we're both aligned. In a, aligned. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love that. Okay. Now let's get yes, into the good the stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it sounds like one, you'd been there before, but in a marriage, it was definitely a different impact. Definite. Um, so I would love to hear about, uh, when did you see that, okay, this is impacting my relationship, not just my own relationship with myself, Mm -hmm. but now my partner is feeling the impact of this sickness. So I'm yes, it's physical, but Mm -hmm. I can't imagine there wasn't emotional and mental mix in there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so anytime, I mean, for us, right. When you have sickness or illness or pain and you're, you have such a profound impact on your marriage already, the stress levels, you know, our roles had to change, right. I can't lift my own child. And, and that created so much guilt Mm -hmm. and sadness and loss within me. Right. I had this miracle child and now I can't lift her. And she's two. Like, I remember being at a store and she was potty training and I couldn't lift her on the toilet. Mm -hmm. And I remember just like, I can't ask a stranger to do that. And I remember just saying, can you hold it till we get home? You know, just this helplessness. So my husband had to now step in, in a whole new way. Right. And he was a very active father, but now there's so much more on him. So Mm -hmm. that just has a shift in your relationship. Right. And he's taking on so much more. I feel so much guilt and shame that I can't. I feel so helpless. You have the financial stress, right? Because we're spending so much money trying every single treatment. So your marriage now has a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. And I think even in that situation, you're not connecting anymore. You're surviving. And and the times you're talking, you're, you're discussing all of this, because this is what you're in. You're, you're, you're in survival financially. You're in survival, trying to find answers and, you're in survival all the time because I can't carry all the roles of motherhood and household. So then there's not as much time for you to, right. Mm -hmm. And you're not, you don't feel good. You're in pain. You can't walk. You're not going on fun dates. You know what I mean? Like you're not, you're not going and adventuring with each other and like reminding of each other of that spark Mm -hmm. and that love and fun. Well, and for me, I also see like, you're forgetting who you are. You've lost so much of who, what defined you. Sure. Yes. Yes. And so I can relate in my way, a very different experience, but when you are in something that is taking from you in such a big way, you lose that connection and desire a lot of times for intimacy. And we're talking all the layers of intimacy right. here. We're not just saying sex. Right. And because, we're going to get to that, but yeah, yeah, sex is the cherry on top. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Again, you are not connecting intimately and me as Ashley, him as Ryan. And, and for us, it was extra impactful because we shared this love for dance. Mm. 
And we shared that connection as dance partners. And we also lost that, right? Which had just, it wasn't why we got married. And I'm grateful that we dated and didn't dance with each other because dancing was like the icing on the cake, but it was a something obviously that really connected us. And that special bond of dancing together that you don't get any other way. Mm -hmm. So we lost that also, right? And we lost our career. My husband could still go, but we were known as Ryan and Ashley. So it just, it was hugely impactful. And again, we're, we're in survival. And then in my particular case, I had hip surgeries. So pretty profound (laughs) impact on Mm -hmm. sex. I mean, like even after surgery, you you have to have a prolonged time of none Mm -hmm. because any position is, could be harmful to your hip, right? Because it takes some mobility, no matter what you're doing or pressure or Mm -hmm. positions. And so just hip surgeries in general are way more impact sex than your knee Mm -hmm. or your shoulder, right? It's, it's your hip. And so even leading up to the surgery, you already, you know, have parameters because like my hip would lock and Mm. it would hurt so bad. And then like, my husband doesn't want to hurt me, Yeah, you know? So then there's, there's also now this like trepidation and you got to be really careful, you know, and I'm, we're like really strong fit people and I'm like fragile, you Mm -hmm. know? And so now that's not as fun either. Right. Or adventurous because it's like, let's see, let's not not hurt. my wife, right? Yeah. Cause then that's, that's not fun for anybody. So <clears throat> you're also losing that mm-hmm. fun just by nature of like physically my body couldn't do it. And it was dangerous post op for a while. You can't even, but then when I got launched into chronic pain, the whole other level of something that I actually haven't talked, spoken a lot about, but I'm, I'm starting to, and now getting back into my podcast was I also, because of the fascial connection in the body and down with my hip, I, I got what is diagnosed as interstitial cystitis, which is horrible pelvic bladder pain. Mm. It's, um, it's like, if you, if anybody's ever had like a UTI, put it on steroids mm. times a million. Cause I've had UTIs pelvic bladder pain is like, man, you didn't know your bladder existed, but now, you know, it's all, you know, it's all, you know, it's, it's horrible. In fact, like the, <clears throat> all of the discussion boards, people want to commit suicide because there's no, um, cure for it. It's a lifelong, like again, managed. So every time you go to the bathroom, like you're, it's so sensitive to foods, so reactionary, but then pelvic pain too. So just to give a real a tampon yeah. hurt me like a tampon. And I, I even remember researching and finding like the smallest possible. So if a tampon is painful, you can imagine sex, sex <laughs> was, you know, not even really in the cards Yeah, and it wasn't not only for me. So I have the structural with my hip and then I've got the interstitial pelvic bladder pain, which can't even tolerate a tampon. And all of a sudden and you're tired and, and I'm in, and, yeah. and I'm in so much pain. My body was in such reactive pain. You couldn't even like bump me. I had to even tell my daughter, remember you can't bump mom because my body would react mm. like a truck hit me. It was because I had nerve pain and it would send fire throughout my spine. I had it in like 12 areas of my body. And so even to be touched no longer was comforting. It, it hurt me. Right. And so then now we're in a real place of 
my, my husband doesn't want to hurt me, yeah. you know? And we, we had an incident where then, you know, we try, I mean, we're, we want to, right. We're trying, we know that's important. And my level of pain the next day mm. with my hip and my interstitial cystitis went so crazy that I honestly, now I was afraid of sex Yeah, and my husband didn't want to hurt me, you know, and that was also a loss because it was like, this is no longer fun, bonding, pleasurable. This is scary. This hurts me. It's traumatic. This has caused me pain. It's traumatic, you know, on both sides, because the last thing my husband wants to do is add to my pain. Right. And I remember even my hip locked once and it like, wouldn't move. And I was in so much pain until it popped back. I mean, so, you know, now we're in stress, but physically I can't tolerate sex. I mean, I can't. And on both of those avenues and you, you, you can't really even touch me. So again, it's like just the, or he wants to hold you and you can't even, and we couldn't even cuddle like, cause every position, you know, cuddling is always some type of rotation or torque. And, um, I had, my neck was so bad. It felt like my, my neck was breaking. Like anytime I looked down or so to cuddle or anything, it was awful, right? It was impossible. So yeah. And even to touch me would sometimes feel like fire. So it wasn't even an intimacy of like, let's just at least cuddle. And it was like, I can't be touched. And we can't even connect in that way. And, you know, it's, it's, it's something that people don't really talk about, you know? And I know like in my regard, it was very physical. Like I could, like, it was so painful for me. Like I couldn't do it, but I know also even, you know, with a lot of clients I've worked with when you're sick and then you, you don't have the energy and Mm -hmm. you're sick, you don't feel sexy you know, your, your body feels sick and you don't feel all those pieces that then make you want to have sex. Right. And, or when you've had treatments and it's impacted your body, then people now feel so self-conscious, mm-hmm. you know, I imagine it's a, a mix of grief of, mm-hmm. I, in my own small way, I have grief when my body does not show up the way I want. Mm -hmm. And this is just me aging. This is my fusion. This is all these things. So I have that small impact of, wait, I thought my body was this and now it's this. And I'm having a really hard time accepting that this is how it is Um, mixed with, I long for this person and I can't have it. So I'm feeling depleted in touch mm-hmm. in and, general. And, and then so they, is he. then I feel sad and sorrow because mm-hmm. I'm depriving it from my partner. Yeah. So it's probably just such a mix of emotion. Mm-hmm. And then yet you're tired on top of it. So it's like, I can't even <laughs> explain what yeah. I'm feeling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was sleeping maybe two, three hours a night because of the nerve pain. And then of course I started to have major breakdowns in my health mm-hmm. because you can't, you can't live in that much pain not sleep. And then you start having yeah. other issues because your body is in again, survival ripples and the ripple effect, <clears throat> the shame too. Right. As again, I, yeah. What's wrong with my body mm-hmm. first of all. And that's, that's a whole other thing that I absolutely had to repair because my body in one way has been my greatest tool mm-hmm. to do dance, but it's also been the absolute greatest adversity of my life, like to the extent twice, right. That, And I had to absolutely come to a place to love this very complex, amazing body (laughs) that 
has shown me the absolute worst of what it can do, um, but also the absolute best, right? And and come to peace with that. And let's say even that as a side note, I went um, from being an elite athlete, like the best shape of my life. I was also a personal trainer. So, and, and I cherished that from someone who was so sick and couldn't lift a finger to be so strong and not only to dance, but to feel like a machine. And I can lift heavy things because I spent so many years so reliant on everybody mm. for everything, even getting from my bed to the bathroom. So like that type of independence, I extra cherished, right? And the byproduct of being strong was obviously a very fit body. Mm. And my husband is very fit, right? And that was something we got known for even on the show because we both love being active. And my husband is not a typical, whatever people think dancer bodies look like, right? He's, he's tall and he's very strong. And now my body's changed too, right? I went to complete atrophy. I mean, I barely can walk. So I watched this really strong body and I, I did still love it. And that was a, a huge part of my journey, but I definitely didn't feel even as sexy on that front, right? And my husband, because I know people go through even that, mm -hmm. right? My husband still obviously had his body and his, you know, shape. And I loved my body, but it definitely felt different and yeah. it looked different. And even that can make you definitely not feel as sexual, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then you add all the other pieces and the pain and the fragility and me not wanting to get hurt, him not wanting to hurt me. And it was, we, it was something we lost for a long time. And it's something, um, that I know people do in varying degrees, even if it's just emotional stuff, you know, I've had clients mm -hmm. and they, they just can't. And for females, it's so emotional and they can't even get to a place, you know, where they can enjoy sex. Yeah. And then that impacts the relationship. And, and it's just such a, a subject. That's why I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Cause it seems like it should be an easy thing and it's, it's not. And my, and Ryan, my husband and I lost so much, but we also lost that. And I, I had trauma around it. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you have shame as a woman. Cause you're like, I'm supposed to do like, and I want to, and I should, but now my body's also taking this from me and it creates pain, like some of the worst pain ever. And it's like, what's wrong with that? Mm -hmm. Like, this is supposed to be good. And now you create pain. Mm. And so it was, it was a lot and a long journey, you know, um, obviously where we are now, but, um, yeah, people don't talk about it a lot when people go through challenges and especially obviously with mine, with help. And then all the ways that shifts the dynamic and you're really not connecting because you've lost those pieces. And when you don't have your health, like I said, you can't go out and have fun together, yeah. which, okay. So let's go yeah, to, let's do that. um, I wanted to talk about the different levels of intimacy and just maybe your experience when it was at its worst okay. with these different areas. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we'll get to the sex. Okay. <laughs> okay. So our first one is emotional intimacy and it involves the, um, perception of closeness to another that allows sharing of personal feelings accompanied by expectations, understandings, affirmations, and that you care. So it sounds like you guys were pretty connected in those ways that he's concerned for you. He's taking care. He's stepping up. Yeah. 
and, and you're doing your best to deal with all of the added emotions yeah. that all this brings. Well, I, and yeah, my husband was amazing, went with me to all my everything and supported me and was like, we'll do whatever we can. But something that I've talked about and and it's hard because what you as the partner who's going there, you're both going through it. Mm-hmm. Right. But I was, I was in such survival to get through each day and show up for my daughter even and show up for myself and not give up and, and maintain optimism and hope. And then I'm trying to create this process. And like, I think in most cases, I didn't always have a lot for Ryan, Yeah, you know, because, um, I had to show up for Sophia, my daughter, mm-hmm. she was, and she was going through her own stuff, watching her mom yeah. in this type of pain, can't lift her, can't take care of her. And, you know, and we had to mend that. So we, we had a very deep connection in, in many ways, right? We've gone through hell together and we've had, we faced really hard odds and we're, we got so much closer in that way, but it does have a cost because I only have so many resources, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, I think our spouse tends to always get kind of the last piece of that, right? I I think we've all felt that in some way is whether it's physical, mental, or I'm just at work all day. Right. And And you come home to the crumbs and there Mm -hmm. isn't time to connect emotionally. And sometimes all that's wanted is a physical connection. And like you said before, women, we need Mm -hmm. the emotional part. And so then it feels not connecting sometimes when we do betray that part, the piece. So that's yeah. why, um, when we talk about these different levels of intimacy, I want you to think of it like a, a layered cake. Mm-hmm. So here's one layer of the cake mm-hmm. and we're going to add in some icing and then another uh-huh. layer and another layer. And they're probably not at a level 10, all of them. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when I learned about these different levels of intimacy, um, I was depleted in all of them mm-hmm. in my relationship. And my then therapist recommended, you know, go through these with, with each other and kind of rate where you're at, where you think you're at from a one to a 10, 10 being the strongest. And you feel like we're killing it. Mm -hmm. And then I want you to go through and rate it for your partner. So Mm -hmm. you're assuming where they think you are in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And it was fascinating to come back together and say, wow, we, we, we thought the, we assumed maybe the worst Mm-hmm. from each other. Like they must think that our, all of these layers are so bad mm-hmm. when I actually feel like we're maybe right in the middle or we're, mm-hmm. we're trying. So we're here. Um, but from there we picked the one that was closest to a 10 and we went the Dave Ramsey method, which is like tackle it and get it to a 10. Mm-hmm. And then we start to work on the next. And it's just that snowball effect of we're going to make this cake. Yeah. And we're going to strive every day to have these different levels that aren't going to look the same as our neighbors. Right. Or our siblings. Or what we even perceive, right? Because yes. it's all a perceived yes. idea of we see the best, right? I mean, nobody knows. You don't, unless you live in the home, right? I mean, well, and even you sharing here today, you're being so vulnerable and open, but you're still, we don't need you to share everything, right? Right. right. Of course. Yeah. So there's still, it's our own journey. Uh-huh. And for you to define what your emotional intimacy looks like, if it feels connected and you feel like your inner world is being shared with each other, that's to me, that is the emotional part that I want. Yeah. And like I, I, I said, and I think I, I, 
I, I share this for those who are in this type of situation or where they're more the caretaker mm-hmm. because the person who's in the trauma, in the challenge, like you, your needs are, yeah, they're a lot greater. Mm-hmm. And, and so there is kind of, we had a deep emotional intimacy, but I also know through some of those years, Ryan didn't get his emotional because I, I didn't, I didn't have any left to give. Like, I mean, it's in many ways, miraculous. I'm still here Mm -hmm. that that journey didn't turn me into a bitter, angry person. That's why people don't want to deal with chronic pain patients a lot because it's hell Mm -hmm. and it will erode you of your soul and your joy. And, and so that was another piece we had to work at because when you're going through it, your needs are so great. And as we heal through all these pieces, I had to realize I haven't been able, but I, you know, but also compassion and grace with myself, but also what is maybe something I can do, you know, because that caretaker still is a person. Absolutely. And it's, and they're taking on a role they weren't prepared for either, you know, and they're getting depleted too. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I think what, what, what you're doing, bringing up, it's not something we talk about that has to be intentional. Mm we kind of just expect we made this decision to get married and it, it should work. Oh my gosh. That I have a whole episode on right? that, the unspoken expectations right. of marriage. Yeah. Uh, that's how I got married. Um, that's how most of us get married. Yeah. And it should work. Then there's some expectations that are definitely not met. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me what you guys did when you started realizing that emotional intimacy is, is lacking and I don't really have the energy to give yeah. it, what were some steps you took? So we, it was like, okay, I, I we're in this, especially in the worst of it. When I could hardly do anything. I could hardly go out. I was missing out on all the things. Um, I was like, well, what can we do at home? You yeah. know, to just, let's not talk about my health for a Ooh, while. Yes. Right. Let's not talk about the stresses financially for a while. Like, okay. So this I love because when I started my recovery work from betrayal, that was one thing that we started doing was whether it's going on a drive mm-hmm. or on a date or whatever, we're not talking about kids. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about work and we're not talking about recovery. Right. What else is that, there? <laughs> right. Yeah. What so, else is there? But then you start to get yeah. to know each other more with and, where you are now. Yes. Right. And if, and if you're in a place where there's pain and trauma because of maybe betrayal or, or something else, um, I have so many little games that are decks of cards where you have questions. Yeah. Like start some conversation that is emotionally connecting mm-hmm. that you don't have to like create it. You're just picking a card right. and reading it. Right. And because your life revolves around life, like Mm -hmm. even the people who don't have significant traumas or health or mental stuff going on, like life, right? Your kids, busyness, work, routine. And again, like we talked about, so then that's what you talk about, right? You go on a date. And it's boring. I'm sorry. It's not connecting. It's It's like, let's complain. (laughs) Connect and all that stress, right? It's stress. And so it's like, I think everybody has to be intentional with that, but we absolutely had to be like, okay, because that was so much of our life. Yeah. Right. And it had to be, and, but there's other, but there was other of parts of us still. Yes. Right. And that was important for me. I'm not just Ashley, the chronic pain patient, and he's just not Ryan now taking care yeah. of me. It was like, okay, let's just, we're, we're still individuals. Right. And 
let's just talk about anything but these subjects. I love and, that. And that was, you know, again, if I'm still laying on the couch, cause that's where I am with my health, just finding that. And can we watch even something funnier? Let's watch a funny video, you know, yep. just to bring some humor and like, oh yeah, remember we used to really be lighthearted and have fun because yeah. we're dealing with so much heaviness. Okay. The, I just, I'm loving this because we come from different worlds, right. but I'm like, yes, this is what I teach my women because one of their dailies that I keep them accountable to every day is, are you having fun? Mm -hmm. Because when you're in the darkness, for whatever reason, fun seems like one impossible, but also if I have fun, even for a minute, it erases the pain and the sorrow over here, mm -hmm. but it doesn't No, And for some reason we think that that happened. I was, I felt that same way. Mm -hmm. Like if I show that I'm having fun, then my partner who's hurt me Thinks is going to think gone. It's like, I'm yeah, okay. Right. I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I mean, we would go on vacations even and say, we're going to wrap up in a little box and tie it in bow, all of our stress and our pain right here. And we're going to go have fun and be individuals and be a couple again. Right. And we needed that. Mm -hmm. And you need that. All of us need that. <laughs> Big time. And then you remind each other of you know, who we are, who we are. And th that, that, that fun was there mm -hmm. and life can absolutely just erode that. Yeah. And then again, you're because that relationship has challenges, you're fun with other people. Yeah. Right. But not then with each other. And then that doesn't heal anything. Cause then it's just all yeah. hard and that gets wearing no matter how deep the love uh, is. Amen. Okay. I'm going to put a deck of cards that I love in the show notes, a link. So you can grab some if you need the help. I love okay. that. I even do it with my daughter. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's, it's you, you ask stuff you might not otherwise ask. So I, I love that. Yeah. Okay. So the next level is spiritual intimacy, which is a sense of unity and mutual commitment to a purpose for your life, your marriage, um, along with respect for special dreams of each other's hearts. It's the greatest depth of intimacy that you can experience in marriage. And, um, this one, I think confuses a lot of people because we think spiritual religion mm -hmm. and they're actually separate mm -hmm. and they can go together. Absolutely. Sure. But, um, I'm not religious and I can have a spiritual connection with someone sure. that is a level 10 mm -hmm. and we, one can believe in God and one cannot mm -hmm. it's purpose. Mm -hmm. It's sharing the, the heart's desires and the soul. It's the soul connection. So tell us what that looked like. Was it impacted in the dark days? I think that's the reason that's our, we, we got through all that. That's our most solid foundation. Like that was the thing that, um, kept us, um, because we've, we've, that's, that's what connected us first. It's so funny. People think dance, but when I met Ryan, we, we talked for like four hours straight on a soul level, mm -hmm. on a spirit level, on a purpose level, right. We were sharing stuff with each other that, and that's why we, we knew something was there. And that's why we made the conscious decision to not have dance come into it. Right. So people, you know, it makes sense. Oh, you're dancers. And it was like, that really wasn't what connected us, which thank goodness, because we lost it. Yeah. And if that was such a huge, important connection for us, then I don't think our What's marriage left? could have gone through that type of yeah. hell, you know? So I think thankfully that was the piece that always connected us. Um, like he, he believed 
that I could, you know, when no one else was that I could change this, you know, and I was in pain for years. And so that's supporting that supporting. And he absolutely, I love that. Give Ryan credit. When I decided to create a process, right. First to save my own life, but I knew it was my life's work. Like everything I'd gone through was to create this. And I could, because I just felt it. And, but in all truthfulness, I mean, and Ryan supported that 1 million percent. And in some days when he saw it and I didn't, because I was so Mm, tapped out. Yes. I was tapped out some days, just what was being asked of me daily to survive the pain and sleeplessness and the belief in myself that I could even get out of this pain, but then to also create Mm -hmm. a process in neuroscience and believe that it not only would change my life, but other people's lives and all of, there were days I didn't have enough belief in that too. You know, I was just like, it's heavy. It's heavy. And that's where Brian was always my champion. Um, so I absolutely, that was probably, that's been our most solid, thankfully. Love it. Um, And we do, we need a cheerleader from ourselves, but from our partner, Mm -hmm. I can't tell you what a difference that has made for me personally to have someone who's cheering me on and reminding me to stay big when I feel small Yeah, absolutely. and and lose my purpose and lose that, like I matter moment. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the next is intellectual intimacy. When people come together to share ideas, thoughts, they're comfortable doing it. Even when they different or are different, uh, share different opinions, they're truly, um, brain to brain connections. Mm -hmm. So what did that look like? Um, so it's so funny because I got really brainy, if you will, (laughs) You know, uh, uh, and I, something interesting about me when we were saying that, like, I always loved, um, my intellectual side as much as my dancing Mm -hmm. side. I, I school, I was a nerd. Like people don't put that together, but I, I went to school on academic scholarship. I, I, so I've, that's always been really important to me. But then when I dove into neuroscience, I mean, it was like, (laughs) <laughs> I, my poor, poor Ryan, sometimes he's like, oh my gosh, this is like my love language. I will talk <laughs> neuroscience all day. I can read clinical journals like all day. And, and so sometimes like, obviously he didn't want to talk about it that much, you know? Um, and his, he found, uh, other passions. And it was really interesting because we, he'd talk about it with me. Um, but I think, I think anytime you're on a growth there's always a place of like, I'm going here. Are you going here? Mm-hmm. You, you know, and, and I, I even know when I take on a client, maybe you have this too. They're, they're kind of worried about that. What mm-hmm. if I really like change and evolve and heal? And like, what will that do Oh yeah, I, to it, our dynamic? Absolutely. Right. Because it does shift. Um, and so thankfully, um, Ryan would, would talk to me about stuff and, 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 and give me perspectives and, um, you know, but I definitely had to, couldn't share all the mm-hmm. intellectual because, well, most people don't want to talk about the brain that much and that's okay, but he would always listen. And I think that's, that's the key. That's right the key. You know what I mean? But I didn't he's need interested yes. in what you're interested yes. in and, and I light you up and I've had to, and he's found other interests and I've had to also open myself up to that. And I think that's more the thing. You don't mm-hmm. have to love, you don't have to even be at the same level of intellectual understanding in certain avenues, but 
at least showing interest mm-hmm. um, and being supportive in that way is, is really it, which I'm, I'm grateful because I've invested a lot in books <laughs> and he's just like, there's another one for Ashley, you know? So he I knows think, what to buy you then. <laughs> he, yeah, I know. Right. Uh, what did he, or any health gadget stuff, right? It's like, <laughs> it makes me think of I, how many women who will say, oh, my husband is into computer or like their job is so boring. I don't want to hear about it. Mm-hmm. And yes, we can't be everything for our partner, right? but we can show interest and love in small ways. So I, I appreciate you saying, I didn't talk about neuroscience all the time, right? but there, you probably have someone that you can share and have those conversations mm-hmm. that are more intellectual, but the fact that you have a partner who's not annoyed yes, or like, you're so weird or, you know, that kind of attitude. I think it's important if you want to be your partner's champion and cheerleader, there's some things that are going to be a little bit more boring. Sure. And I'm sure the brain is boring sometimes to him. (laughs) (laughs) Although I don't get it. No, no, but I, uh, and you know, and with his own stuff too, that he's found. And I'm grateful he's, he's found. And like, I don't need to know it to the same degree. I don't nope. even need to go out and do it with him, but the, just those pockets that accumulate, uh, well, and just listening. Yes. I think it's the being open enough to say, this is something you find interesting. And I want to understand that's how my brain works. It's yeah, like, yeah. I maybe don't have the same interest, but I want to understand why it lights you up. Right. And the more I understand about my partners, why it lights them up, the more I'm like, oh, this makes sense. And I, and I love that for them. And so I can support them. But when I don't ask questions, right. It's super boring. Yeah. And, and then I would say supporting each other, right. If I wanted to go to a conference that he, you know, (laughs) would not want to go to, but he supports me in spending the money to do that. Right. Just like I would Mm -hmm. to the thing with him, it doesn't have to be uh, something you would spend money on for you. Yeah. And, and so at, at least we both, um, found <laughs> in that way. Uh, and it's interesting though, with, I know how much he's listened. Cause sometimes he'll, he'll bring stuff up and I'm like, Oh, oh. yeah, <laughs> but it registered, you know? But I think that, that is that it's just those little pockets of interest. It doesn't have to be a huge interest, yeah. but to understand. Right. And I might not ever understand for me, like, my brand, like, well, I would never, yeah, we think so different for you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what helps me because it, it's exactly that. The more I understand one childhood and, and the way we think for my partner, it doesn't mean that now I'm like, I agree. And now we're sure. on the same page. It truly is. I understand you more. Mm-hmm. I love you more. Yeah. And that's, that's all I'm looking for. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. This one's going to be a, obviously a hard one, physical intimacy. Um, it's just loving touch, holding hands, a hug, a kiss, making love. We as humans are designed to be, to want touch Mm -hmm. and touch can communicate acceptance and love a closest that the two of you have based, um, on your shared experiences. So we know that's was impacted during that time. So tell us kind of what, you were able to talk about, or were you having those conversations? We, we were at, but not where we then went to having those conversations. Right. Um, like even just, we used to always hold hands, um, always 
but then I was in crutches for long periods of time. I've had three hip surgeries. And so now I didn't even, we got out of habit even, right? Cause I couldn't, I had my hands on crutches <laughs> and you realize just that, how important those little pieces yeah. of touch are, you know, and then that we take for granted, that we take for granted. And it, it's not even happening in the home. Cause again, I'm in crutches, I'm moving around with crutches, you know? So just even when you're passing someone, um, that type of, uh, touch, you know, and I, everybody has their different love language. It's pretty universal for men to have touch mm -hmm. be and, and women too, but definitely men tend to universally, right. Want touch. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the discrepancy was I wanted touch, but I also didn't want touch because it hurt, Yeah, but he still wanted touch, right. Because it didn't hurt him, but it was also hard for me too, because I was so immobile, so in pain. So at first we didn't really talk about it. Like we knew it and we'd been through hip surgeries before, but it was just a whole new level. And I think at first, I, I think you're just getting through and we didn't think it would last so long, Yeah, you know? So you almost at first are like, not okay, talking about you know, it. Me too. Yeah. Like we, we both like mutually understand this is a time frame, you know, that obviously there's some things that are happening structurally and physically like, but we'll get through this. Mm -hmm. And then as it kept going and kept going, then you realize you got to start to have some conversations because I mean, my, we even had to start sleeping separately because, mm. um, I was in so much pain. I was barely sleeping and I was getting up in the night. And then if Ryan snored or moved and woke me up and then the pain would keep me up. And mm. so then I couldn't go back to sleep. And so it was like, well, someone needs sleep. Like Ryan needs sleep. Right. So not because we didn't love each other, but out of absolute necessity yeah. that he can't break down his body and he can't then wake me up and I lose any sleep that I had. But even that distance of then not sleeping together, you know, and it's not even something you talk about, right? Because it wasn't like, oh, we're, our marriage is in trouble. It was, we got to do this for my health and for his health. Mm -hmm. But I remember my daughter, because she was two when all this started, she had a friend over and she's like, this is my dad's room. <laughs> you know, this is my mom's room. And I, I remember we looked at each other and we're like, we got to talk to her because it's not normal, but it's become normal to her yeah. for us to live in separate bedrooms because she was two. Yeah. So she doesn't remember when obviously we shared a bedroom yeah. and that was normal for us. Uh -huh. And she, that's, she was talking like, it was so normal. It's my dad's room, yeah. you know? And so we had to talk to, that's when we are like, we got to be more conscious of even what we're talking to her about yeah. because she could see we're, we're still married. We still love each other. But I started to think, you know, just growing up, not seeing your parents cuddle in that way, mm -hmm. you know, and she does now, but she was, she was growing up two, three, four, five, you know, because I couldn't. But then we started to think, wow, we got to really be conscious, not just with each other talking about this, but also with our daughter, mm -hmm. because this has become normal to her. Yeah. And I'm just going to bring up, because I do have friends who are in happy, functional marriages who sleep in separate bedrooms. So mm -hmm. it's a thing also when yeah. you don't have physical right. um, or emotional blocks um, of just space. Yeah. And I used to be an interior designer who designed master suites that were separate. And mm -hmm. so 
Yes. And also I think talking about it and letting your kids know, like, this is our definition yeah, of absolutely. how a, a marriage or a partnership. And just talking about it. And I know some people snore really bad and yes. they're happier marriages if they both can sleep. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah. you're going to build resentment if your spouse is waking you up all yes. night. Right. So yeah, that absolutely it, it, there's no one way any of this looks right. But I love how you're saying, you know, it didn't start out with like, let's have all these conversations and work on these things. It really was something that developed as the time went on. And so I'm guessing that there are people listening who are probably in that stage of, we haven't actually had any of these conversations and it's time to probably say, Hey, it's time that we start talking about these things. So I'll even put all the levels of intimacy in the show notes. So you can just have conversations about them. So next one is financial intimacy. So it's the sharing of your financial, financial situation comes with developing a plan for your finances and being able to have open and honest communication with your spouse regarding all things money, which for most is like there, it can be full of past beliefs around money and trauma, also secrets. Also, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do this. I I was never taught Mm -hmm. and, or maybe I don't contribute. So do I have a voice? Uh, A lot money is it's hard. I see these women who are getting divorced and, um, I was involved in my financial partnership. However, it is incredibly risky, scary, to step into it on your own. Sure. And so I think just even having it with ourselves, the intimacy sure. financial to say like, here's my reality. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. Money is gosh, money, money's probably one of the biggest issues that mm-hmm. people share. Right. And again, growing up, if you even grew up different, yes. right. Um, in different financial situations, different spending, yeah, different fears around money. So different ideas of what is worth spending money on. Absolutely. Uh, some people have so much scarcity around money. Um, and, and so I think, I think every marriage has to tackle that in one degree or another, yes. you know, um, I've even seen that where people will spend thousands of dollars right on a television, but won't support their wife to heal their anxiety. Mm. Right. Um, and again, cause that's, if you didn't grow up like valuing mental, mental and emotional health, or, but also to that point, the TV, you benefit, like you don't live inside your spouse's mind and experience what they experience. Mm-hmm. So the cost is never going to be as great to you to not fix it. Right. Like even having those types of conversations, again, just going back to like, even where I said, where if I want to invest in a conference, right. And then if my husband wants to invest in things that interest him, so money was, uh, money was really scary for us. We, because all the treatments I was trying insurance didn't cover. I mean, I was doing stem cell treatments or Mm -hmm. five, six, $7,000, uh, treatment injections. I mean, uh, I, it was a lot of money and then tests and scans and surgeries and we're trying and we're trying this and we're trying that because, and, and, and to Ryan's absolute credit, he was like, whatever we need to do, you know, but, uh, as anybody knows, who's gone through health stuff, health can decimate you Mm -hmm. so fast, just the cost of paying for your health, trying all the treatments, doing all the tests, even if you have health insurance. Um, and then also, if then not take somebody out of the workforce, mm. you know, so we lost our career 
right? And we always, we always had plans. We both have his business degree. We always had plans and we were building uh, another business. Well, what's interesting is separate from dance, because when we had our daughter, Sophia, she was still traveling with us internationally doing shows, but we knew we were already having to step back a little bit because we had a child and we didn't want to be on the road all the time. So we actually created, um, I created a fitness app, fitness health app, because fitness was such a passion because it was my avenue back to dance, right. And being strong. So it's funny because three days before my hip surgery, I was like, let's film the entire thing. Cause it's probably going to be like eight months before I can do this again. You know, little known to me, it was going to be like six years, but we launched this business too. And we put so much into it, but then I couldn't keep adding to it because I couldn't work out. Right. So we had this amazing program app. I put all this, it's a huge thing now, but back in the day, it was all about like just loving your body because it gives you life because of what I'd gone through with my illness and all this mindset stuff. And, but then it's like, I can't film any more workouts. Like, and so we got to a place with it where I'm like, we have to almost let this, we have to let this business die because I physically can't do it. So we didn't just lose our dance career. We lost this business too, that we had built. Right. Um, so we not only lost huge sources of income, but now we're just spending, spending like crazy, right. I can't walk. So we're doing expensive injections, trying grasping at straws. Right. And then they're not working. And then you do it again and then you're not working. And my husband was still training competitors and still going and doing shows. But like, again, we lost a, another business we had built in addition to our dance career because of my health. And it was so stressful. And we nearly lost our home because we spent a fortune on my health. And then even to the degree of where I found one of two surgeons in the world who could fix my hip. Now I had to fix all the other stuff that came from it because I'd been stuck in pain for years. And that's what I did through my process, but I had a hole left in my hip capsule, like a hole, an actual hole, which pretty throws off the whole structural integrity of your body. One of two surgeons in the world who could do this surgery, it wasn't even a surgical code. So it, it was not a surgical code. It, it was a brand new, he had created this surgery. So insurance wouldn't cover it. Mm. You know, the need to walk apparently isn't very essential. Um, it was all out of pocket. $80,000 do the day of surgery. Yeah. No payment plan offered. Mm. And, uh, we'd already spent, uh, probably well over $150,000 or more at that point. And so we almost lost our home, you know, and, uh, to my husband's credit, like, I know he'd live in a cardboard box, you know, um, for me to get my health back, but finances were stressful. And then I felt so much guilt, right? Because I, I, I wasn't my fault, but I was the source, you know? And so, you know, that consciously, like, obviously I didn't choose this. Mm -hmm. I lost all this too. I'm going through hell, but I'm still the source. Mm -hmm. And so there's guilt and there's, there's fear and there's, there's all that. And then there's pressure, like people feel pressure to get better, you know, and he, Ryan did do that, but we had to have some, a lot of talks Mm -hmm. hard around money. And then of course it was very emotional to me because it was like my life. And he was so supportive of that, but also like, we can't do everything, you know? And so it's, it's, 
I would say we really got thrown into the deep when it came to money and then also then to create a business. Mm. And now that's a whole other conversation around money and beliefs around money. And we pulled ourselves from the really scary place to, to a beautiful place, but it wasn't easy by no it means. was hard conversations, hard <laughs> conversations, right. But so important. Cause I think that creates a lot of tension in marriage if you don't have them. Yeah. Okay. We have a couple left. Um, logistical intimacy. It's the sharing of schedules, events, time, and transparency with, um, the people you're surrounding yourself with. It's a way for you to connect in the mundane things. So this one, um, I, don't know why I love it so much. It's the way my brain works, but I really like to plan ahead Mm -hmm. and I've partnered with people who don't. And so it's a lot of trying, um, to meet each other halfway. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm really good at planning ahead and my brain really likes it. And, uh, so when your partner isn't that way, it's, it's tricky, Uh, but it can be done. Um, so what were some of the, I mean, I'm guessing you had like doctor's appointments and Tons, yeah. taking care of child and all those things. So how did that show up for you of sharing household needs? And well, that, that was hard too, right? Cause, uh, Ryan was great p- picking up Sophia, you know, doing the things that I couldn't. And then there, there was volatility based upon how my health showed up mm-hmm. that day. But then it's hard too, because as a woman, you're going to do things different around the house, yeah. you know? Um, <laughs> and so then there's that I need to tell you, but I don't want to nag. Oh, for sure. You know? And so we had to also, like, I had to also surrender the fact that there were things I could not do. And Ryan was doing so much, but he wouldn't do it the way I would do it, <laughs> you know? A uh, thousand percent. And, and so then I just, you have to like, okay, what's worth getting stressed over, you know, and you just, and there's more than one way to do something. That's right. And I had to learn that as an adult. I think all of us do. We do. And I think that is part right. Of like not sweating the small stuff of like, okay, yep. I would do that different. I would, (laughs) you know, but I can't, you know, and you just have to just like, okay, like it is what it is. And is it that important? And, and so that was, that was definitely a transition on both ends of, of me surrendering. Mm -hmm. Ryan taking it on, but then also like not saying so much all the time. Cause also the time frame they would do it in. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh right. That too. Right. Cause you're like, no, now, you know, like now this is when I do it. So you should too. And so it's like, uh, it's going to get done, but you have to be okay with the fact it's not being done when you would want it to be done. Yes. And I think all of that, right. Is learning pains. Cause inevitably you're just different people. Yes. You know, even I, if you're, yes, I, it's just, I, I have found, um, and it's interesting cause I'm finding it even in, as I'm dating it's Sundays are a time for logistical planning of like, let's look ahead of our mm-hmm. week. Let's look ahead for planning our work schedules and vacations and things like that. That is logistical intimacy. And it sounds really dumb and mundane, but those are pieces that we still have to connect in. Right. And I know with the women I coach who are going through divorce, this is a big one because Mm. most of us, uh, especially if you've been through divorce, we are over-functioners as women. And the culture I was brought up in is definitely everyone else comes before you. 
And so we end up doing way too much and then feeling resentment that right. the, well, why isn't anyone doing anything? We're surrounded by underfunctioners, yes. And it's like, well, right. I created this dynamic mm-hmm. and now I get to undo it. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny because in divorce, well, I noticed the last few years of my marriage, like there sh- he's showing up different. And I, I need to respect that he's showing up for the kids just as great. It's just different. And so I, I let go of some of those things through marriage, but in, in divorce, you really have to let go of that and say, like, we have very different households and the way that we parent and the way that we show up. And I know that my kids are safe and taken care of. So it doesn't actually matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm sure that, that, (laughs) and I think I absolutely could see that in divorce. And then I, I think I had to get to that place because I couldn't physically do it. And then it was, it would just create more stress and more frustration and more resentment, probably on both ends. Right. Cause then you're like asking and asking. And so it, it's, I'm a very organized er Mm -hmm. also. And it was funny. We were just saying this because we have this calendar. I'm, I like on my phone, but I'm, I like written too uh-huh. old school. To I like to see it. <laughs> and I was just telling the other day, can you just write it in there and have different inks, right? Like, yeah. you know, and Color-coded. he's like, I told you. And I'm like, have you seen, I can't remember all your schedule in my mind with my schedule and Sophia's yeah. right. Cause I managed Sophia's schedule. Right. And it was funny. Cause we were just having that. It was, this is just, this is just life. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was, I was like, no, can you write the pen. He's like, here, I'll tell you, write it in. I'm like, no, you, here's the pen. Good job. Look like, at that. You <laughs> letting go. You write it in it, you know, because we do uh, operate different. And I think there's a certain acceptance and then, okay, this is where I'll give. And this is maybe where yeah. you can give. So neither like we're lessening the resistance around sure. the fact that we're Different. different and our brains operate different. Okay. So I'm going to give two tips to those who are, um, like us and, <laughs> and like to plan ahead and maybe have a partner who doesn't. Um, one thing that I have learned is if I have a conversation verbally and say, this is the plan and this is what we're doing, my partner often forgets mm. and it isn't because they don't care about me or the situation it's truly, they've got a lot going on just like I do. Right. But because I plan ahead and I write things down, I remember Mm -hmm. I'm reminded on my phone, I'm reminded and they're not having that reminder. And so I found that once we have that discussion, I will text them right after and say, Hey, this is a plan. You're picking up so-and-so at this time at this date, and they can choose to do what they want to do with that. And usually they remember. Mm -hmm. And Uh, it's, I think it's common for people to forget, especially when we talk verbally and make a plan. Um, another thing is we share, even as a divorced couple, we still share a family schedule on our iPhones. So my kids have iPhones, so they know when their doctor's appointments are, when therapy is, when mom and dad are out of town, um, when they're going to be at their other parents' house, when they're not, those things matter even to my kids. And I will say this, what my former partner really loved about me was that I was really organized and scheduled. And then it grew to, I really hate that part of you. That's really organized and scheduled. That's kind of what we do as couples. Like you fall in love with the pieces that you end up hating Mm. and then coming back to, okay. I love, um, but I got a text the other day, which I mean, he's, we have a good relationship, but he just said, I will always be grateful for the fact that you plan ahead and Mm. that you like make 
the time, take the time ahead so that I can show up. And so it's just funny. We've had like the full circle moment. Full We're circle. back to appreciating that I'm a organized. little bit organized. Um, so there you go. Okay. Last one, recreational intimacy. It's being active together. Mm. Uh, find those things that you like to do and do them with your partner, taking a walk together, making dinner, going to a museum, hiking a mountain, something that allows you to actively spend time together. So that obviously changed big time. Yeah. And we were so active people. That was one thing we loved about each other, right? We were aside from even dance, we worked out together. I mean, not together, but at the gym at the same time, we were always wanting to adventure, you know? So, um, oh, we lost that completely. I mean, for a long time, I was even afraid to go out in like really public places because I couldn't be bumped. Um, you know, and I looked when I didn't have my crutches or anything, you, I looked fine, you know? And so, um, it was, it was actually kind of scary for me. And I, I mean, to the point of like, I remember one time I kind of went off a curve weird and I, it took me three months to recover, like to, so we really lost, like, let's go on an adventure, you know, or we would try and we'd have to leave because my pain would get so bad or my hip would lock up. So we had to, I think the biggest thing in that for me is I had to still allow him to have that, mm, you know, hard. and, uh, because, it, and, and I did, and I, I, it wasn't that it wasn't easy. I mean, I still had to let him dance. Right. Um, and then go to the gym every day and go be active and, um, not guilt him for that, mm. you know, when it was hard for me. Um, and, and so we lost that connection to each other, but I realized he still needed that connection and I had to do my best to support it instead of resent it, mm-hmm. shut it you down know, and shut it down or think he shouldn't, or, you know, guilt your partner into not, you know, cause you can't or, um, and so that was, that was really hard. It was a long time and that's it, it, full circle right now. We like really cherish it, you know, and what does it look like for you now? It's a, uh, so I'm not dancing yet really. Um, you know, and, and truth be told, I could, I could, <laughs> I'd have to, I'd have to start and my life. I feel I was just having this conversation with my mom. Actually, I kind of had to tell her, and I was like, I kind of had to, because honestly, sometimes I'll forget I was a professional dancer. Like, mm-hmm. it's weird. It's really weird. I don't say that. I mean it. Like, I will have moments where I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. like another life, another life. And, um, it was, I lost it twice, you know, and I lost it young, but then I lost it at the top of my career after fighting so hard to get it back and then to achieve the levels we did. And I had to like, let her die. Like I had to not in a bad way, but in, uh, I can't live in the hurt every day of Mm. losing this, that I have to let you kind of go so that I not forever. Like I always believed, I knew I was letting go of the top level because I was getting older too. And, you know, when you're a professional, like dancer or athlete, that just happens with age mm-hmm. regardless. Yeah. Um, so I knew I was transitioning to that anyhow, but I couldn't mourn the loss of it over and over and over and over and over. So I had to learn to listen to music for music and not mm. think 
move. I want to move. Right. Cause that would create pain for mm-hmm. me. Right. Cause I feel like a, a prisoner in this body that once was so free, but it was also a prisoner once before. So I could dance again. And and I've actually told Ryan, I need to start making small. Cause I do want to feel that freedom again, but it's like, I have to bring parts of her kind of back to life if that makes, and I think we all have to do that there. I think during certain periods, we do let things go because we have to, or need to, and then it can be a little scary Mm -hmm. because you've now adapted to where you are now. And it's like dance, especially like help save my life from my illness. But during my chronic pain journey, my body reacted the most violent to dance any attempt. Mm. And so it was like, wait, the thing that I felt born to do now, my body rejects the most. And that was a huge loss. And so I think it's like rocking the boat to kind of bring that back, but I will. (laughs) But aside from that, I mean, we, our favorite thing to do together is hiking. I love, I love hiking. I love the mountains. We should hike together. Let's do it. (laughs) It's, I love, it's just such a beautiful in all ways. It fills my soul and my energy, but I also love it because it's a great time to talk, mm-hmm. you know, cause you're, you're you, you lose connection with your phone too, mm-hmm. most yeah. of the time. Right. So you don't even have that option and you're just in nature. And I feel like that's been such a beautiful furthering of our mm-hmm. not time, even just in nature, but to talk, we talk about stuff cause you're just out there. And it just, I think nature by, by its nature <laughs> makes you have just those types of conversations. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's what it looks like. And our family, like two years ago, we took my daughter to Disney world for the first time. And that was just like, so momentous for me to be able to withstand. I think normal people get exhausted at Disney world or Disneyland. (laughs) Right. Um, but we do, so I'm healthy. I've got one little area left of pain, which prohibits me from lifting upper body yet, but I'm going to get that too. But otherwise I'm strong and, and healthy and we go on dates and we can adventure now. And, but I, I do want to bring that part of her. And I think it's because we just have to bring it to where it is now. Ryan and I will never dance the way we used to. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Cause we were super athletic and tricks. And I don't think he'd want to either like his back it has <laughs> been through its own, but it's like, I, I think that's a really important part. Cause I've been coming up to with that myself. Like I had to, so let that part of me go mm-hmm. and that part with Ryan go that it's, it's a weird thing to yeah. like, because it's not going to be the same and that's okay, but it's going to be this new, it's, uh, you know, bringing yes. back. And I, I think that's everyone, whether it divorced yes. or betrayal, it, you have you, to reclaim, you have to reclaim, but in a new way. Yeah. Cause you'll never be able to bring it back from what you've gone through. Yeah. Right. And, and there's grief in that. Yeah. And um, yeah. I'm finding it in different areas for myself of reclaiming hiking has been one the last four years for me. And with my physical pain, it's interesting because my first and second time, I mean, dates that I went out with the guy I've been dating for a while. Um, that was, that's why I wanted to keep dating is because of the conversation. And we were doing something together that we both enjoyed. And yet that second date we chose, I chose a really hard hike. We call it the best, worst hike in the world. (laughs) Um, because it's straight, it's like straight up and down and ugly. Oh, so it's yeah, not even like, worse. But what kept me with him is the moment he put his hand on my lower back. He saw that I was in pain. I had to keep stopping and stretching and keep stopping and bending over because my back hurts so much. 
And he just kept putting his hand on my back, like not trying to right. do a move. He really was just like, I see that you're hurting. I don't really know you well, but he just helped me up the mountain with every step. And it was like, oh, yeah. Okay. He sees me. Like he sees the pain in me and that I still want this, but I am a different person than I was when I was 16 and hiking Mm -hmm. and it's different. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So for me, even accepting life after divorce, like, oh, I've had this two years of single, like being in my house by myself, you know, 50% of the time. And I really love it, but, oh, it's going to change. And, and I'm going to love that too. It's just going to be different. Mm -hmm than it was. There's so much acceptance and grief uh-huh. in what we thought yeah. our life was supposed to look like. Right. And they go hand in hand. And that I say that with my clients all the time. And I'm sure you do as you, you heal stuff, you grieve Wait, I could have had this, yep. you know? And so there's all, it's always hand in hand, mm-hmm. um, healing and grieving and healing and grieving. And, and that's what, I think that's the point. I always tell my clients it's, and it's not or (laughs) it's, and, and you, you're going to keep healing and keep living and keep grieving and then keep creating (laughs) who you are now and finding joy in that. And, and that's it. Cause their only power is in the present. So you have to honor all the pieces of it, but then come back to now and who you are now Mm -hmm. and what you can celebrate and live in now and embrace that. Cause I would say that's probably the greatest loss of most people's life is they always are living, looking behind. Yeah. And it's not that you don't have to work through that. You absolutely do, or it will influence you subconsciously, whether you want it to or not, but it is also embracing where you are now and what you can do with it now. And what does that version of you look like now? Because even with everything I've gone through, I, I don't have the freedom. I never will. My body did prior to all these surgeries, right? My husband loves skiing. That's something I don't do anymore. Um, could I potentially, yes. Is it worth the risk to yeah. me? No. Three hip surgeries. I feel you. <laughs> no. Right. And, and all the, just one fall. Yeah. Right. And it's not a matter of fear. It's a choice. Yeah but that's something we can't, it's a very adult choice. Yeah. And it's like, Ugh, I know. And I he, want to do and the winter here in Utah, you don't get to be in the, I mean, you can, but it, you can't be in the it's mountains, different. like when you can hike in the summer. So he gets to go up there and enjoy that, you know, and you're like, ah, so there's, there's always some losses with all the gains, yeah. you know, and it's just focusing on the gains, but I'm, I'm always very excited. Although my husband was just saying, you know, hiking season's going to be later this year because of yeah. all the snow. Yeah. And I'm like, well, then we got to go down South because yes. I'm itchy to get, uh, you lose, you lose so much of your endurance through yeah. the winter. And then it's like starting over in a way, you know, but so life is, life is definitely different than it once was, but so much better than where yeah. it was. And okay, we're just embracing it. As we have all these layers, yes, that is what makes the cake. And on top is the cherry on top, which is our sexual intimacy. So I want to have you share just some of the ways that you guys pieced it back together in the midst of. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we had to give it time for my body. Right. And that was hard, but there was really nothing we could do. And then I had another hip surgery that was a two-year recovery, but a long time before we could even like, I had huge restrictions on external rotation or abduction. Like, so again, 
you're, you're really limited and you're not going to try to undo an $80,000, <laughs> you know? Um, so we also had to come to acceptance of what could be, you know, for a time and not that it was easy, not that it didn't have an impact, but like, again, acceptance mm-hmm. and, and try to, support that in another way. It's been a long journey. I had to do a ton of work to feel safe in it. Again, I, I had to, through my own journey, rewire those pain connections through my pelvis and bladder. That was a journey first I had to do along with my hip, but then also my brain had a threat response, you know, around sex now, Mm -hmm. because it created some of the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. And it's already such a vulnerable place for a woman and already one it wants to protect. And so when you've had trauma there, gosh, the brain holds on to that, right? Very big. So I had to do a lot of work myself within my own system to be like, the body's safe to do this. Mm -hmm. I understand we were there, here we are now. But then also Ryan, I had to really communicate on progressively moving in a way that reaffirmed that safety. Mm -hmm. It's not like we could just go back to, you know, whatever, because that would have just re-traumatized. So there, it took a lot of work on my part and then a lot of communication to working together and then celebrating whatever those little steps okay, were. So can I just ask yeah. more specifically, were you having conversations outside of the bedroom as well as during? Yes. Okay. Yep. So we had to talk about like before I'd be clear talking about clarity, like, okay, this is where I feel we can go. Mm-hmm. And then he was great at allowing me to communicate, you know, and sometimes, you know, it didn't go like you'd want it, yeah. you know, and movies definitely don't portray <laughs> the reality of, of it in all its form. And sometimes awkwardness and sometimes, pain, sure. you know, all the pieces that aren't just what we grow up seeing and mm-hmm. thinking. And we think is not normal and turns yeah. out yeah. most of us have experienced whatever you think is weird. <laughs> yeah. And then for me to get to a place where not only I felt safe, but where I could feel safe to let go in it. Right. Which is, I mean, sex is so mental, so mental. And so for you to be able to, to find that again is really beautiful. And I know it's possible. I get to hear from women. I mean, I am not a sex expert at all, but I am someone who went from hating sex and having so much trauma around it to, I did my own therapeutic Mm -hmm. trauma work around it. And pushing myself to find pleasure for me. Right. And for a partner rather than I'm going to just do this thing that I will now self-betray my body and my heart and my soul and my mind. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, it's a, it's a full body work. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think that women were not definitely talked about that, um, enough growing up so that you can connect to it. No, we're just Um, like sex. You're married. And then all of a sudden you're like, what? There, what is there's way more, way, way, way more. And both the women need to be talked to and the men, right? Yeah. There needs to be way more open dialogue of what it even looks like, what is required on both sides, communication, right? Um, so it was, but it, in, in that way, right, at it went to a whole new depth of like what it meant to connect in that way and be able to, you know, and then get to that place where. It, it's safe and it's free again and it's not scary. And, but we, you know, it was a long time. And I, I think you, you look at couples even in 
if they look a certain way, I think we also judge like, oh, they must have a great life and sex life and right. If they're attractive or whatever, you know, we all make these, we make judgments, you know? And I think, um, that was, that's why I wanted to talk about it because I think we all don't know the, all the things and ways life impacts our selves personally, but then our marriage and all the levels of intimacy and that it, it takes work and that's not a weak thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I know there's been a huge paradigm shift luckily around that, but there's still more where like working on your marriage doesn't mean you have a bad marriage. It's actually like we work on our bodies. Mm -hmm. We work on ourselves. Like why not? We, that is one of the most important relationships in our life. If we're not intentional about it, it will get the crumbs and it's impacted, you know, and you go through hard stuff. So, well, and we were talking this last night, if we aren't having some conflict, then one of us isn't using their voice. One of us is holding resentment. One of us is getting walked on Mm -hmm. and that's not the relationship any of us want. Right. And so some conflict, you know, we've, Human. We, you have to learn how to repair and that is repair. the most beautiful part Yeah, is the repair. It, we feel icky when we're in conflict. I don't think any of us like it, No, but some of the most beautiful and connecting moments have been in repair for me with my children and with a partner. Absolutely. Cause I, I, I actually, I heard that the other day, someone, I don't know where it was, someone was like, my parents never fought. And I got like this, like, that's too bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have an icky feeling because a, yes, yeah, something, cause if you've even had roommates, you're different people. Yes. If you're really being honest and you know, you're going to disagree, you're going to have, you know, it doesn't mean you're having all out screaming wars, but you're going to have some conflict or resistance. Cause you disagree on something, mm-hmm. you know, but then I also thought, well, that set the kids up oh, for absolutely. an idea of perfect, perfect, which and that's the thing with even my daughter, like the most important thing for is, you know, we make mistakes, we have, but let's talk about, then we repair from it. That's, yeah. that's the word. It's not, not experiencing it. Cause I think then you're set up to fail and feel bad about your marriage or yourself, but what do you do with it oh when it's there? And then how, and then that takes you to new levels of intimacy for sure. And okay. So recently we were on a vacation and I, we took our kids, my kids, um, my boyfriend and I, and we got into conflict. Um, I was in a tr- trauma response, not realizing we'd gone to the same place the same weekend. My former husband asked for a divorce. We were in the same restaurant, oh like everything. And I was wow. like, why am I doing? I've just re- recreate, recreated this really traumatic moment for my children and for me. But I didn't realize it until I started feeling the anxiety and I was like, something's happening. I don't know what's going on. And then it clicked. So we're already in conflict and my children are right there with us. We're dating. It's so awkward. And so I just had to address it right then and there. Guys, I'm so sorry that you're a part of this, but we're both hurting and we need to actually talk about this right now. We're not, we're not in a place where we can just like split up and go take space. Mm -hmm. And so we, I bought them food. And I said, you're going to sit over here at the park where we could see you. And we're going to sit over here at the fire. We're going to talk over here. And as uncomfortable as that was for us, it was really, I think, a great step in a family dynamic to say, this is not only part of a relationship, but we don't have to hide it. Mm-hmm. from you. We weren't screaming and yelling right. and name. we have rules of engagement, of but, course. but it's important for them to see us come back together. So 
I'm sure your cute little daughter has seen the, yeah. the roller coaster of mm-hmm. what a partnership looks like. And, um, the fact that you guys are showing the different dynamics and roller coaster of what it can look like in all the different ups and downs is important and is probably setting her up for a really great relationship one day. Like a normal, and I would (laughs) say even in that with your kids too, right? Like kids are so much smarter than even when I was going through it. Right. And be, and because I, I was developing this work in the brain and the body and emotions, I remember just being honest with her, not also trying to hide some days from her. Like mommy's really sad. I'm having a really hard time today, mm-hmm. you know, cause, and it's okay if you're having a really hard day totally. too, because there's so much like suppression and, uh, let's not talk about it and be your best self. And it's like, sometimes your best self is being honest that you're having a hard time. Yeah. You know, that takes way more courage. And that was so huge for me is for her to see me fight and not give up but also she has seen me break down and acknowledge how hard it was yeah. and like, that's ask okay. Help, and but... ask for help and be like, you know what? This is really hard. It's really hard. And today is really hard, but mm-hmm. tomorrow's a new day, you know? And I'm sorry if I wasn't as patient cause I'm in a lot of pain and, and that doesn't mean it's okay. But like just having all the pieces of understanding versus just the guilty and the shaming or suppressing, or let's not have those difficult conversations, you know? And I think in your experience and mine, that's probably been a plus side of a lot of pain is we've learned to, we've had to, but then hopefully now our kids see that it's possible Mm -hmm. and you can work through hard things and you can repair it. And that's, that's the piece. I hope that's what my kids see. My kids are like, mom just talks about sex. That's what she does for work. I'm like, that's like, this much of what I talk about, what are we, but I, I'm sure that don't get paid. attention. You know what I'm saying? But at least even in that, it's at least not, it's an open subject, yes, right? Cause I would definitely rather have my daughter talk to me about it or, at least, you know, so it is scary sometimes. And then I'm also like, okay, but I didn't tell my mom anything. So this is good. Yeah, it's good. And um, at least they will go into it probably different oh, in terms of let's hope seeing it, my you know, experience. let's, let's, <laughs> We, we all try it. That's our whole goal, right? Is we try to do a little bit better, yes. repair a little bit more, you know, as well-intentioned as our parents were, our Absolutely. grandparents were. It's, it's just, a different time. It's just a different, and we just try. Yep. And that's as long as we're trying. And our kids are going to do the same thing. Like, Absolutely. They did it weird. We're going to try to do it better. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure. Yes. Okay. Ashley, what is your, I want you to speak to the person who's listening, who's in the dark mm-hmm. for whatever reason. What is your advice on moving through that darkness to find sexual intimacy again? We talked about so many different layers that go into it, but if you could talk to old Ashley, who Mm -hmm. was just feeling that hopelessness, Mm -hmm. what would you say? I would say first have compassion with it. Cause I think anything with that, there's guilt, shame, judgment, And that will just hold you in stress around it. It actually activates your brain's alarm bells and will make sexual intimacy more scary Mm. because the more you guilt and shame yourself around it, the brain now reinforces a threat, right? And so that's really important, right? And that's why no real change comes from guilt and shame, although we try and we think this is the way, right? (laughs) So I would say that's the first step is, you know, you see it, you acknowledge it, but you see it through some compassion, so love yourself some love, through it. right. 
um, and, and, and then really seek to understand what are the pieces. So then you, you see it through love, you embrace it through love, compassion, but then you have to be proactive about it, you know, and you have to openly talk about it with yourself, with your partner. Okay. This is where I'm at. This is what has contributed. Cause you have to have those pieces in order to, to change it. What, you know, this is what I can do to start taking action steps, but this is what like you can do with me, but this is, you have to have those boundaries mm -hmm. to get to the full other side. I was just having this conversation. You can't, you have to have it on both sides. You have to have those uncomfortable yeah. conversations yourself and the other, because if you're not on board together, you're going to reinforce that stress for sure. And it's not fun, but it's keep the long-term vision of if we do this, we face it, we work through it, even if it's not exactly what we want it to look like right now, but we're not suppressing it. We're not hiding mm -hmm. it. And we start making steps and we keep making steps. Then in the long run, we're going to get to where we want to be, but we might also both have to have some acceptance around yes. the journey mm -hmm. to get there. And, and what yours looks like, right? Um, what yours looks like. I think the most common question I get when I do bring up sex on social media is, what's normal an amount of sex people are having every month. And like a piece of me hurts every time it gets mm -hmm. asked because it's that comparison. Are we normal? Are right. we doing it right? right? Or how unhappy are other people or how happy are other right. people? And then we can feel good or worse or. Yeah. And, right. and in reality, I think the question should be posed to our partner. How much you know, how satisfied are you with our sexual intimacy right now? And where do you want to be? And here's where I am. And mm -hmm. here's where I want to be. That's the question that I wish was being asked. Yeah. And so, um, I am so grateful that you have been here today to talk about a subject that I'm sure is on so many hearts and, uh, probably a lot of hopelessness for mm -hmm. a piece that, that we want to love and bring back. And I think both of us yeah. are, are good advocates for, we can come can back full to a circle. You can absolutely. Uh, and, and uh, absolutely. And, and then the experience can be new, right. In that yeah. same way we were talking about new, it can also be new in a great, in a beautiful way, way. beautiful way, in even a deeper way, right. Yep. Because of where you've been you had to, you yeah. have to work on those layers, absolutely. right. It forces you yeah. to do it and to do the work. So if you are in a spot of hopelessness and feeling that disconnect one, reach out, mm -hmm. um, you can reach out to either of us. You can go to therapy. Like there's so many modalities of healing now. Don't just sit there and no. wish it was going to go away. Cause my guess is it's not. And it might, you know, and, and with that, if it might be something completely unrelated to intimacy, but you have such a guarding protection. It could be other things, other traumas, other that now is just manifested in that way. Cause that's a vulnerable place, mm -hmm. you know? And so even in that, like, it's not always directly connected either. It very well could be, but it just could be the place that all of that feeling of not being safe comes out. And so do the other work too. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and start to just have those conversations within yourself. Cause when we shame guilt, we don't seek to understand, yeah. but if we just start to seek to understand ourselves, our partner, we have those conversations, like so much could be better if we just started talking. Yes. And take my, uh, cue, which is if you need to journal at first, there's your first draft. If you need to talk it out with a best friend or a therapist, talk it out. There's your first draft. Take, 
the second draft That's right. your partner, just start smaller steps. version. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Ab- absolutely. Get it all out first in a way that uh, you then can feel comfortable. Somebody has to start. Exactly. Someone in the relationship has to start and it usually takes one person, but the other person is also wanting. Yeah. It's just this not, not we're not talking about it, but we're definitely feeling we're it. We're definitely <laughs> feeling it. So just just start. Um, and if there's other pieces, yeah, read yourself or myself. There's just there's hope. Yes. Just start moving towards it. Love it. Okay. And you can find Ashley. I'm going to put all of her links and information in the show notes. So just click on show notes and you can have all those links right now. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here with me today. Whether I was with you doing your dishes while you got ready or driving in your car. If you found a nugget in this episode, please take 30 seconds. You can click on the link below in the show notes and leave me a quick review over on iTunes or you can share on social media or shoot me an email. It offers me your support without you having to spend a dime or much of your time. Until next time, be the buffalo.